Welcome to Shanghai Zan, a raw and lively regular debate about China tech, advertising, creativity, platforms, and the intersection of it all. Join us each session for timely and relevant discussions on all things China marketing. We'll be joined by an entire spectrum of China experts, and you can learn more about Shanghai John at our website, JohnStation.com. I'm Bryce Witwong, and I'm Ali Kazmi. Ali, this is our fiftieth episode. Can you believe it? Five zero. Yeah, no, really. Congratulations. Because we replayed a few of the previous episodes,、so、I wasn't too sure, but I'm pretty. Positive that this is number fifty. We have now reached close to three hundred thousand downloads, and of course, you know, with that amazing accomplishments, fifty episodes. We'd like to thank everyone, as always, who have supported our podcast over the past few years. So, thank you for that.、It's、amazing, right? Fifty episodes, Ali. How does it feel? It feels like it's been a lot more, but fifty is a good number. Number fifty is going to be just you and me. We have decided to create a, a trends show, and this is about twenty twenty four trends. And not that we have created trends reports ourselves. There's tons of trends reports out there, but we'd like to comment on the seemingly dozens of reports released by agencies, consultancies, and research shops. There's just lots of trends reports. So we just thought, why don't we just sift through all the trends reports and provide you, the listener, the most relevant and important trends affecting global, affecting China. So. Uh, we thought we'd discuss the trends that we frankly felt that were the most relevant, insightful, and potentially impactful. We've scoured the reports, so you don't have to. But we will provide links to all the reports that we found. I think most of them are not on a firewall, or you have to paywall or anything. That you you can just you can just read them.、Uh, they're normally used for you know. Promotional purposes for that company.、Uh, we will provide links for those to those reports for you,、uh, so you can check them out. But that's not all, Ali. Not only we're we going to talk about those trends that we think are most relevant, we thought we'd come on now. Haven't we seen this before? Kind of returns.、Uh, is this really a trend or is it simple observation? We're not only looking at the trends that we think are relevant, but we also are looking at those that we think are not that relevant, not that important. Haven't we seen them before from last year and the year before that? We are calling those trends, for lack of a better term, BS trends. And Ali selected a few, and I've selected a few, and、uh, we'll see how it goes. So obviously, I think my big trend, Ali, is, and I think it's going to come back.、Uh, it, we definitely saw it last year.、Uh, this was a trend from 2013, but it's definitely going to hit、uh, hit again in China. Is the return of the face kini? The face kini will come back in a big way. I'm sure that you see quite a number of face kinis there in south of Spain. I mean, let's explain the face kini. I know what it is. Let's explain what the face kini is to some of, to our audience. It's a rubber mask that you put over your head, so your sun you do not get sunburn or suntan or any sun at all that hits your face. So it's just like this scary rubber mask that you put over your entire face, usually worn by elderly Chinese women at the beach. But why is it why is it making a comeback again? I'm just making it up. I don't think it'll make.、Oh. It it's such a it's such an anomaly. Maybe the face kini will come back. Domestic travels up, so maybe the face kinis will will hit big. They're here to stay. I think、uh, having bright,、uh, rosy white skin is still a big thing in、uh, <laughs> in parts of China. And you you own one, right? I I I do like being covered when I'm in the sun.、Um, <laughs> I do have sensitive skin.、Uh, let's get to the serious trends. Ali, 
start first. What uh, from all the trends that you found? First of all, uh, tell us what the trend is and where you found it and why you think it's important. So I think there are two trends. I'll just start with the first one. Uh, first one first. Um, the one big one for me is just mindful consumption and social media. Uh, and the role of social media and mindful consumption. Um, the trend that's being reported uh, or that has been reported is one where um, more and more people are just opting to use social media as, um, you know, for, for searching for products or searching for things that they might need. You know, things that they need, I think, is going to trump, you know, things of desire or things that people want in general. It's not too much of a surprise, um, but it uh, it, it, it's definitely worth uh, noting that, you know, things that people would otherwise, once upon a time, you'd use social media to, to shop for things that were that would help you stand out that were novel, that made you look good. Um, but using social media to buy things that are more commodity, things that, you know, that you really need at home, or things that are, are kind of, you know, that, that you can't live without, that, that's going to be a new interesting role for social media to play. Perhaps I'm just guessing over here that behavior has kind of been triggered by, you know, and you'll remember this, both of us were in, in Shanghai during times of COVID. And, you know, one of the best places to buy necessities for your home was going on to Douyin or going on to TikTok and finding who's got shampoos or who's got different types of vegetable or who's got beverages that you might need at home. And so it seems like that might be a much bigger trend now. As people opt for buying in bulk and buying through social media, or buying through community and friends on social media, uh, and buying products that you know that they need, whether it's fruit or household, just commodity products. So I think that's going to be a big one. What's the difference between low price searches, uh, the desire for value, and mindful consumption mindset? What's the difference with just some p- person that's just looking for a bargain versus someone that has a mindful consumption? Uh, mindset. What do you think brands can take advantage of that besides just cutting prices? Is there anything that they could possibly do? I think it's all about portfolio play. Uh, it's about finding for advertisers or companies that have multiple products. It's finding that one product that you know that they can sell through a social channel. Oh, let's talk about Coca Cola. The way you would sell, you know, you sell Coca Cola in physical retail as a single unit item, right? So it's just one can. And it's typically chilled to five or less degrees. And the environment that you sell it in is, you know, it's it, 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 it's a product that's tailored to the environment that you sell it in. And it's found within a refrigerator and that refrigerator has brand purity, et cetera, et cetera. But if you had to sell Coca-Cola on an e-commerce platform, just selling that one can would not make sense because the cost that's associated with the packaging and the delivery of that product would, you know, would be... 10x the cost of production of that product. You know, if we take this into a social context where you're talking about communities or you're talking about you and your friends buying a certain product, then, you know, you're going to end up perhaps buying a product that's similar in terms of packaging, in terms of quantity to what you would buy on e-commerce, as in you'd perhaps be buying a case of Coca-Cola that's not chilled, um, but you know, it's it perhaps it comes with some kind of a reward uh, or some kind of a premium where where you and your friends are rewarded by with an extra can of coke, maybe discounted tickets to Disney, or maybe tickets to the cinema, so that both you and your friend can be rewarded for uh, making that case of Coca Cola available at, at a perhaps a slightly uh, privileged price 
but uh, you know, but it's but it but that but that value is augmented with these other benefits that you get um, or that you can offer to you know people within your community. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that type of you know that type of activity. But it also means for an advertiser to think about like what's the product, what's the pack- packaging, what's the offer, and how will the shopper benefit, but how will also the people that are within his or her social of influence benefit from that product. So I think that's how I read that trend. So it's not just about taking a product that you would typically sell on e-commerce or in physical retail and dropping it in social media, expecting that, you know, hundreds and thousands of people will buy it because you've discounted that product. But in fact, you might even be able to get away with a higher priced product, but you've packaged it in a way where, you know, there's some benefit for the you know for the shopper but also for his or her community of friends okay that makes a lot of sense you put some real thought into the 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 way that people can achieve value from a more emotional context rather than a pure discount yeah i mean the 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 thing i would also add to this is like you and i are friends right and the only way I can influence you to perhaps buy something is, you know, if I incentivize that purchase for you, I need to be in a position to sell on behalf of that brand. And that brand needs to empower with me, me with something that, that I can convince you to, to, to buy as well. And so I think people, a lot of times, um, you know, they, they, they don't realize that, you know, we're all humans at the end of the day and we need, <laughs> we need to be able to give something to someone that he or she can give on to someone else. So that reciprocity needs to needs to exist within that social context for 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 this thing to to work within social media. And we know that group consumption and group value, uh, group buy, all those things culturally within the Chinese context of like trying to save money for everyone by consolidating, working together, is highly prevalent in a collectivist culture. Right, that people will thrive on that kind of be, bring value by by massing together and working as a team. What was it that you bought during COVID? I remember, I remember your wife went onto Douyin because that was the only place she could buy something. I can't remember what it was. I do remember we group buyed a Burger King offer with the compound. Obviously, it was a bit of something indulgent that we all wanted instead of mm-hmm. uh, what was provided by the uh, the neighborhood committee. <laughs> so it was a bit indulgent. Obviously, the food arrived. It had the worst tasting burger i think i've ever had in my life because i think it obviously had been made probably like like maybe the morning of the afternoon that we it arrived but uh it was definitely a sense of that sense that we got together as a group and enjoyed something a treat or a, a moment where it's that something in, that was indulgent and that was all done together and i thought that that had it just been us eating it ourselves and then offering a price discount, we wouldn't have gotten the benefit of the emotional benefit of, of getting Burger King delivered to the entire compound. What about you, Bryce? What, what's, uh, what do you think? I think we see mindful consumption in a lot of places. Uh, we saw it on the e-commerce to China.com's trend uh, report, which I will include in the, in the show notes. And this is one that you sent me. This is a global trend report from Accenture Song. It's entitled Mediocrity, like M-E-H, Meh, but Mediocrity, but I think it definitely applies to China, is about creative mediocrity and that we're so now used to seeing so much content 
you know, through social media platforms and influencer platforms, the novelty is kind of wearing off and people are just starting to push crap onto these platforms that really doesn't have any kind of emotional context or any ideas in them. And what's happening is that brands are just getting lost in the shuffle. And this is not anything new to China. I mean, this has been happening in China uh, since, you know, social commerce and life commerce have been taking off in the last five years. But I mean, globally, this is being seen as something that people are just are not seeing creative content. I mean, if it's just about reboots and and film sequels and all this is that that it seems that people are just becoming lazier. Yes, they're all embracing AI technology to be able to help them create more segmented content, but the actual content itself is not really inspiring. I, I thought that was a great line. There was a trend that was reported by a number of platforms called quiet selling. That's happening in China. I think it's kind of a, it's related to this, to the whole mediocrity and creativity trend that Accenture points out. Quiet selling is something that will probably be i think will take off in china it's seen as a live streaming technique where it is more storytelling and less on the whole hard sell so it's much more of a, a lighter side storytelling kind of approach to it instead of this usual you know qvc style hard selling point and i think mainly that's because people are still even on the live stream platform they're a bit tired of the old way they want to see more information they want to see better connection they just want to actually use this as an opportunity to be informed by products and not necessarily just see the hard sell that we've known from people like austin lee who's just kind of pushing pushing you hard to buy something ideas that there will be a backlash to this and Ideally, that brands will start to look for, I, I hope, their agencies to be able to help them to come up with more creative ideas in the social media, social commerce space. What do you think? Are we saying that there won't be any more of this very loud, discount-based social selling? Uh, I'm just trying to unpackage a little bit uh, for the audience what we mean by story-based engagement or story-based selling. Or are we saying that there's just going to be, you know, instead of spending 30 seconds to really shout out uh, the brand, a benefit and, a, a, a you know, the price and discount, that they'll spend a lot more time in talking about the product? What, 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 what are we talking about over here? There will be more value added type of social commerce, social media posting that will create a, a more what they call quiet selling uh, will create more product and information that will not be necessarily about the hard sell and the discount. That people are looking for more thoughtful means of connecting. I think that there will be a lot more ideas within the the post itself uh, that will try to stand out from the crowd. This is a, a global statistic that said that according to Accenture, thirty five percent of the respondents find app designs indistinguishable. 40% among 18 to 24-year-olds, that's a global thing. I think people generally in China generally find all the communications relatively indistinguishable, the apps, the messages, the platforms, the influencers, they're all reading from the same script. And so what we will find is more diversity in ideas because that will ultimately drive more incremental business for brands as opposed to how they've done it before yeah i'm a bit on the fence on that one i yeah i i think um I, i'm just thinking back to 
when I did some work on, I didn't actually do any work on KFC, but I remember being part of, and what they basically had is they had this, this AI generated character on the KFC China Taobao, not Tmall, I guess, Taobao platform. She would be selling or she would be giving away discounts, uh, coupons to anyone that interacted with her. And I don't know how well it did, but I think the, the general feedback that we had through the discussion that we had with some of our retail commerce experts was that it didn't sell as much as what you would sell on, you know, through a big promotion. And I kind of call it drip selling. And I call it drip selling and not story selling. Remember how we talk about lean in versus lean back? There's just always going to be some consumers that will lean into a brand or lean into a category and they're always going to come back and they're going to continue to buy. And I think... That type of drip selling will always exist. It's always going to be someone, there's always going to be, you know, a close community of consumers that will keep on coming back to buy product. As an advertiser, you're looking at, if if that person is really engaged with your product, with the category, with your, with your product, with your brand, understands the product quite, quite intimately, then ultimately that type of selling, you know, through that, this, this, you know, silent selling or that story-based selling you what you're looking at probably doing is trying to get them to buy um you know an improved product or you know a bigger pack size or something else so that you can kind of upsell them on something or cross sell them on something you know i can see that happening but i don't know whether that's gonna be or maybe it is maybe that is gonna be a new thing because we've been so focused on you know shouting out and being so vocal and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on influencers and paid advertising on e-commerce platforms where we've kind of, you know, and I think we're all culpable where we've spent so much money on celebrating the, the, the celebrity and the KOL, we've kind of lost track and lost the, you know, lost focus on the product and the brand, you know, whether you call it sound selling, story, story, story-based selling or, or drip selling, if you're saying that, you know, there's going to be a lot more of this lean-in type of approach in our communications, in our social media, social-based selling. Then, then we're going to get you know more engaged audiences, higher returns, lower costs on our advertising. We don't have to spe- spend as much on KOLs and influencers. It's just going to be a healthier pipeline. I don't know. Is that what we're talking about? Yeah, I just think that there will be more thought put into the content quality and brands will take probably a much more proactive role within what's being presented by social influencers uh, in terms of the content. Agreed. If if they're not doing that, they should. Yeah, because... And those, those influencers that are more creative, that are putting more effort into the content stories will be the ones that will do better uh, because... I think that people are just sick of the bullshit. They just want something different. They want something that's more, uh, more interesting, more informative. The power dynamics are going to be different. Exactly. So, what's your second one? My second one is uh, personalization and artificial intelligence, and how that's going to be central. And I think it kind of talks to the point that you made on media. Ah, this is going to be difficult. Anyway, you get it. Media mediocrity. Um, you know, there is, there's always, there's, you know, there's an established belief that, that ideas have greater impact on growth versus hyper-personalization, right? But hyper-personalization powered by AI, you know, I, I wonder 
what you win and what you lose as a marketer and what metrics do you win on and what metrics would you lose on and and i think if that if if you were able to do a study over a couple of categories over i don't know a couple of months or a set period of time it would be interesting to see whether personalization in ai is supportive of growth supportive of efficient growth so you can achieve the same kind of growth but at a lot less or you know are there other benefits on the on the application of personalization in ai i do think though you know given you know given where we are with the economy given where we are with growth given where we are with general disinterest in in putting lots and lots of money into paid advertising and celebrities and KOLs, given that there's more interest in in the last mile or in you know in in, in the bottom half of that funnel, that that advertisers will nat- naturally gravitate towards the application of AI in in revising their messaging strategies, so that there's different benefits, different office offers for different sets of consumers and. Uh, historically when you and i maybe 10 years ago we did a direct campaign it was a or b i think with personalization and artificial intelligence we can have a test for every letter within the alphabet right so there'd be there'd be a test a b test a c test all the way down to z and happening all at the same time like you know the nature of ecosystems and platforms in china is such that knowing what the identity of that one person is and not cookies but identities it gives you the ability to do personalization powered by ai or enabled by ai across you know the 10 15 different you know platforms that that are within the ali ecosystem or that are within the tencent ecosystem and i think that's something that uh, and i wonder if the benefits of doing something like that outweigh the focus outweigh the benefit that would come with um, you know that great idea or that great creative impact uh, and I, I wonder if there's a study that that we could pursue that would compare you know this is what happens when you do personalization with artificial intelligence and this is when you just focus on great ideas and brand and what would the offsets be on on both I agree with you because personalization on one hand will provide tactical benefits to the brand in the customer journey space because you're you're at this point within the customer journey you're looking at this kind of from a tactical perspective it's fantastic in being able to deliver that type of messages but i think the risk is that the messages will be incredibly dull you will not be able to really create a at least in this stage a, a unique emotional connection it'll be tactically personalized it won't be like oh my gosh i'm seeing something that's unique to me or to to how i feel i think that that's very difficult to do yet i mean certainly you say well the technology is getting better we can do that but i just think it's it gets back to like the accenture report saying that it's going to be a very mediocre type of like (laughs) personalized experience question doesn't matter if you're that close to buying a product like if you're so close to like you know if you, the application of, of ai bottom half of the funnel you've kind of you know you know you want to buy this product it's just a matter of time you forgot right you forgot to add it into your shopping cart you know advertising just reminds you 
so in that context, right, do we care about feelings and ideas or we just want to make sure that we've hit the person that's willing to buy? No, I agree. As you get further down the funnel, then the the awareness side of your messages is probably not as important uh, as it might be towards the upper parts of the funnel. But I think what you're missing is a lot of the residual communications that comes as a result of talking to a larger audience through a very beautiful idea that can attract people. A lot of times we make a mistake. We'll, we create assumptions on people that are not necessarily the correct ones. Now, we would say that in a collectivist culture or a very highly masculine culture, if we're selling dishwashing liquid, we should have women in the kitchen doing the dishes. But we, you and I know that when women, when women see men doing the dishes, they feel more affinity, stronger affinity to the brand and will have a stronger emotional connection to it. The data says don't do it. But the reality is that that residual message of attracting both men and women, showing it in a different way, is, has, a, has stronger means of, of connecting. So, all right, we're almost done with the podcast, Ali. What was your one BS uh, trend that you thought was like a little bit of a stretch? Oh, one BS one. I've been big on this one for a long time. And I think I'm going to still, you know, I'm still going to. I'm going to put it on, I'm going to leave it in my BS, uh, in the BS chapter at the end of the book. It's a virtual and augmented reality. Still, not, I've never been a big believer in it. I'm still not a big believer. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I mean, at least not, not yet. even Not even with the Vision Pro? You're not sold on I'm the Vision Pro? I'm not sold on any of it. I mean, you know, like, even when you look at, uh, there's a bunch of people that are very pro, um, you know, alternative virtual and augmented reality i love the movies i love what's what 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 it's capable of doing or the benefit it can give to consumers i haven't you know I, i'm not gonna well what's the price of the vision pros are they two thousand dollars five thousand dollars yeah it's six, like yeah that. yeah around yeah, there, yeah. yeah i just can't see myself i've always said this there's not enough content out there just not enough people creating content at an individual level yeah, I, I I just don't see it going anywhere. And then of course, there's also the physical limitations. So it's help. It's just very bulky. Just the benefits just still not there. No, I tend to agree with you. Um, I think doesn't the iPhone 15 allow you to do spatial video recording now that you can do this kind of? Uh, I think the challenge with VR is, like you said, there's just not enough con- people making the content out there, and it's just too too freaking expensive to get involved. Brands will just not not a it's not appealing but i think um if they can lower the cost of you to and they can get people to actually create content and create a platform that allows them to share the content at least from an ar perspective maybe that will become more uh more prevalent i don't know i i saw this on the mintel report i'm not just saying that this was a bs trend i just felt that i just don't think it's it's going to really it's it's, we're not going to see this in 2024 and they talked about the relationship renaissance now this is a global trend not a china trend they said that consumers will find comfort through who found comfort through screens will will really seek out meaningful real life relationships uh and that they're looking for ways that they can reduce stress for the sake of their mental health and look for like positive real relationships it's an it's a beautiful thing. I'm not discounting that. I wish that this trend would be the case. Unfortunately, I just don't think unfor- that people 
especially Gen Z, know how to find that meaningful relationship. They've lost the social skills to be able to connect uh, with real relationships. In many aspects, this is a, a, a trend that brands could take advantage of is trying to find ways to actually get people to, especially young people together uh, as, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a consumer trend in terms of an advertise because, because culturally speaking, people will simply knew, not know how to, to find those meaningful relationships. They just lost the ability to do so. When, when you start showing me fewer daily active users, on every single social platform, yeah, right, I'll believe right. you. <laughs> as in, as in, I'll believe that people want real relationships or young people want real relationships. Until then, I think we're going to become. I think, I think, you know, we're just going to be a bit more. We're going to be more lonely than we've ever been. And I think it's a great, it's a great idea for a great insight for a McDonald's advertisement or for something for KFC uh, about about how that food and 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 coming together in a restaurant can be, provide those meaningful relationships. But I, I, I just, like you said, I don't, I think people will just go to the restaurants and look at their, their doing and, and eat their food. If I was McDonald's, I would look at, if I was McDonald's, I'd look at how many single serve meals uh, or what's the highest, like what, where do I sell the most single meals around the world at what time? And, you know, I just campaign the shit out of it yeah. and then get, and I don't know, do something with, uh, with Tinder or <laughs> with friend finder or something.com where you can just like, you know, just cross. And I mean, I don't know, like that would be a cool idea. That would definitely be a cool idea. And just, yeah. <laughs> State of act. The lone, it can turn into an amazing fun campaign. The lonely hearts value meal. Um, we'll call it. The Lonely Hearts value. Lonely heart. <laughs> <laughs> Eating by yourself again? It's okay. Ali, those are great insights, great observations, uh, great trends. We'll post links to uh, the, the trend reports that we found, including the reports that we didn't talk about on the podcast today. Uh, we will post those trend reports as well. Uh, if you're like us, you always enjoy reading them. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Join us in a few weeks for another exciting show. And to all our listeners, until then, have a great day.